Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Suzanne Spradley, and I'm here with my colleague, Chase Cannon, and we are attorneys with NFP in our benefits compliance area. And we use this podcast to bring relevant issues to our clients that are group health plans. Um, And today we're going to talk about mental health parity at a high level. Now, this is certainly going to provide a lot of fodder for future um, podcasts because there was a recently published proposed guidance that was quite lengthy and quite detailed, which we're always happy to see from the DOL. Um, But Chase, let's start at the, just at a high level, let's talk about mental health parity and look back a month or so from at some of the DOL guidance. Yeah, so we're just going to go back to April 2023 before we come back to the future with the those recently published proposed rules and, and some thoughts there. But back in April, the Department of Labor via the EBSA, which is the Employee Benefit Security Administration, that's a sub-agency within the DOL, the Assistant Secretary, Lisa Gomez, uh, did in a blog post, but she reaffirmed the DOL's commitment to ensuring access to me- mental health benefits and specifically to autism treatment benefits. And so all of this gets back to the Mental Health Parity and Addiction Equity Act, which we sometimes refer to just short, shorthanded or acron- via acronym as MAPIA. Uh, and that was enacted back in the 2000s. But as background under that MAPIA law, group health plans and health insurers that offer mental health benefits may not impose financial requirements so think deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, or out-of-pocket maximums. Quantitative treatment limitations, um, which is like a number of covered days, visits, or treatments, or non-quantitative tri- treatment limitations, which we refer to as NQTLs, which are like coverage exclusions, prior authorization requirements, medical necessity guidelines, or network re- restrictions. So none of those can be imposed on mental health benefits Um, if they're more restrictive than those applied to medical or surgical benefits. So many employer-sponsored plans cover treatment for autism, such as applied behavioral analysis or ABA therapy as part of their mental health benefits. But Assistant Secretary Gomez really described in this blog post how the EBSA remains focused on MAPIA protections for autism treatment through ongoing uh, enforcement efforts. And uh, so today we're going to talk a lot about enforcement from the DOL, Uh, but specifically, she said, regional EBSA investigations have led to plans removing exclusions for ABA therapy and claim administrators adding ABA therapy as a default coverage option for self-insured plans. And really, these corrections resulted in the elimination of ABA exclusions for nearly 1 million participants, according to this blog post. And um, the, the EBSA also helps... Uh, with claim disputes and helps CMS in MAPIA enforcement of non-federal governmental group health plans like state and local government employee plans. Right. And and those non-quantitative treatment limitations have certainly been where the area of focus has been on mental health parity because those are those are really the more challenging area to analyze. And and EPSA is the enforcement arm of the DOL. So that's who we would look to in terms of um, what kind of enforcement actions they're taking under mental health parity um, issues. So 
Um, how is the DOL enforcing the idea of coverage for ABA therapy? Are they coming at it directly at the plans or are they going through the TPAs? Yeah, so they're doing it through multiple avenues, we believe. And, and first, the DOL can audit plans directly, either by random selection uh, through defects in filings, like a, a mistake or an error or a failure to file Form 5500, or through participant complaints. So there's always a risk that the DOL could come to the plan directly, uh, particularly if the plan or the employer is not paying attention to their compliance obligations. Uh, second, though, and, and how, what I wanted to talk a little bit more about today is the DOL is actually working with TPAs to enforce MAPIA. And we're aware of at least one TPA that, is, that has, has been contacted by the DOL, specifically with respect to this ABA therapy exclusion issue. And the DOL is asking the TPA to identify plans that have these exclusions or have had them in the past. And so um, that's going to be a challenge for employers that, uh, the, you know, that have TPAs that the DOL has contacted. We think this is driven from a statement in the DOL's 2022 MAPIA report to Congress. I mean, obviously, the DOL has interest in enforcing MAPIA overall, but they've mentioned this specifically in this report to Congress in 2022. As background on that, each year the DOL is tasked with reporting back to Congress what they've seen with respect to MAPIA enforcement. The 2023 report to Congress was just published. That's uh, part of this guidance that we're talking about, and we're going to get to that on another podcast. Um, as we get to dig into it deeper, we can be a little bit more helpful on everything that's in there. But the 2022 report has an example specific to ABA therapy, and it's basically uh, ABA therapy exclusion as a MAPIA failure, and then as has a statement that the DOL and EBSA will be working with TPAs and carriers to identify plans that are out of compliance. So it seems that the DOL is following through on that statement. Wow. So there, so it's really the TPAs that are naming the plans then. I mean, how, you know, how does that work? And it, what happens if a plan is called out by a TPA? Yeah, again, we're, we're aware of at least one TPA that is working closely with the DOL, and the DOL is basically asking the TPA to reach out to plans or employers that might have had that ABA therapy exclusion, and not only just finding out whether it is, but asking them to fix it and to even fix it retroactively. Um, so what we're seeing is back to 2018. So that can involve reprocessing claims and, and could come at quite a cost, if you can imagine. I guess it depends on the number of covered participants and how many uh, you know, would have used this uh, ABA benefit. But if a plan had an exclusion, um, for example, but fixed it previously, so this is an example, let's say they had an exclusion up until 2021, but then eliminated the exclusion for 22 and beyond, fixing this could be going back for four years and reprocessing claims for those four years. So you can see how that can be expensive. It can be administratively challenging. It's going to be communication with your employees. Most employees are going to welcome this news if you're reprocessing and paying those claims, but still a, a lift for administratively in addition to the actual cost of benefits. But that may be much better than landing on the naughty list with the DOL, right? It makes sense to go back and correct this since the DOL is very clear that this is a violation of MAPIA. And if an employer were to decide to risk it, in other words, ignore what the TPA is saying, um, the, the TPA is likely going to be asked uh, who is doing that. And then the DOL will get that list, that naughty list, and then circle back for audits there. 
And again, if you decide as an employer that this, there's an argument there that you didn't have to cover it, that's an ar argument you're going to have to make in front of the DOL. And we've seen that that's a losing argument, at least as far as the DOL is concerned. Right. And, and so then you're going to be subject to not only doing repricing of old claims, but a reprocessing of old claims, but um, you know the DOL potential fines as well. And I would imagine reprocessing old claims can have an impact, even if, if you look at how you know how premiums were calculated for the following year. So it's, it could have a significant impact overall that possibly premiums weren't uh, set at a rate that they should have been set. But um, right. let's shift gears now and talk about the new uh, guidance that came out last week. Can you give us a bit of an overview? Again, it was extremely detailed, so we know that uh, you know that we're only going to be able to touch on it briefly on this podcast. But give us a heads up. Yes, the new guidance comes in several pieces, and they are all long. In other words, four hundred pages in one, for one part of it. So we're not going to get into all the details on this episode. We will cover this next time around. And we have our own comp comprehensive write-up in our Compliance Corner publication that is out there available at nfp.com. If you click on in Insights there, you'll get to that. But basically, there were proposed rules. That was the uh, part that was probably the longest. It came along with a technical release, an enforcement fact sheet, a press release, and then I mentioned the 2023 MAPIA report to Congress. So way too much to deal with in one podcast for sure. And we'll be circling back, particularly to talk about the proposed rules and the report to Congress. Those are super in-depth and we're still digging through them, honestly, and processing and figuring out what it all says. Uh, those will be particularly helpful for that mental health parity NQTL analysis requirement under the CAA. And so we'll talk about that more on, a, on our next podcast. But since we just talked a little bit about enforcement efforts on ABA therapy specifically, I wanted to focus on the enforcement fact sheet that was published. That, uh, yeah, enforcement fact sheets actually sound fairly helpful because we always look to enforcements to see when they're actually, um, you know, taking some form of action against a plan. Uh, so, so let's dig into that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and it's a question we get a lot from clients and from employers, right? Like, what are the chances that I'm going to get a, a DOL call on this? And some issues are heavily enforced and others are not. And so this gives us some really good insight into how the DOL is enforcing MAPIA. So the fact sheet, which is provided annually, it basically, as background, summarizes enforcement data and results from MAPIA investigations closed by the DOL and CMS in the prior fiscal year. According to the fact sheet, the DOL has charged, in other words, oversight over approximately two and a half million private group health plans uh, through approximately 326 investigators and 113 benefits advisors. So you can see the number there, 326 investigators, 113 advisors are trying to rein in two and a half million plans here. Uh, but CMS enforces the uh, MAPIA with respect to non-federal governmental group health plans. Again, those include state and local governmental plans. So just kind of defining the DOL and CMS kind of jointly tackle this. Um, CMS is the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. During 2022, the DOL and CMS increased their NQTL. Again, those are the non-quantitative treatment limitation enforcement activity and in response to the CAA. And the categories of MAPIA violations investigated by the DOL and CMS also included annual and lifetime dollar limits, 
financial requirements, such as deductibles and copayments, and quantitative treatment limitations, such as treatments uh, limitations based on the number of visits or day, days of coverage. So they're not just focusing on NQTLs, although that seems to be heightened because of this comparative analysis requirement. So they also reviewed situations involving MAPIA claims processing and disclosure violations. I mean, so that really, I mean, we've certainly talked about those comparative analysis that were required and, and the fact that they did this initial audit and everyone failed. Um, and so that, that partly led to this additional guidance, I would imagine. Um, but that gives us a bit of an idea about how many plans and the types of things they're looking for. But, um, but, but when you look at the actual numbers of plans investigated in 2022, I mean, give us an insight into what, you know, how many plans did they actually touch? Yeah, so according to the fact sheet, the 2022 uh, statistics show that the DOL clo closed 145 health plan investigations, 86 of which involved plans subject to the to MAPIA, and thus they were reviewed or for, for related compliance. 20 of these MAPIA investigations involved fully insured plans, 50 involved self-insured plans, and 16 involved both types of plans. Um, so the plan offered both fully insured and self-insured options. The DOL cited 18 MAPIA violations in 11 investigations, 10 of which involved self-funded group health plans. So you see a little bit of a slant towards self-funded there, uh, but not entirely, right? Fully insured is still involved. Uh, notably, the cited violations included 10 NQTL violations and one final determination of non-compliance with the NQTL comparative analysis requirements. The DOL benefits advisors also answered 160 MAPIA-related public inquiries, including 142 complaints. And so, again, coming back to how would the DOL come after a plan here, they, they specifically said these inquiries that included complaints is one way. Um, so that's important to note. During that same period, the CMS, again, this is the, the non-federal governmental plans, they had uh, nine M MAPIA NQTL comparative analysis reviews and uh, health insurers in states where they have that enforcement and cited seven violations uh, because of the comparative analysis reviews. So some interesting numbers there. Again, if you're talking about two and a half million plans, this is a very small number that are being looked at here. Uh, but some really good insight in the percentage of plans that they're looking at that they're seeing violations. We've certainly heard, too, that the DOLs, I mean, their main interest is really getting everybody into compliance. And so um, at this point, they up until the point of when they've provided some really clear guidance, I think they've been trying to work with plans more. Now, once they come out with final guidance, I imagine that their hammer is going to get a, a little bit heavier and they may not be quite as um, willing to work with plans on trying to bring them into compliance versus trying to bring the hammer down. And so what are the specific violations that the DOL is, is seeing? Yeah, so um, really the reporting cites uh, the, the following MAPIA violations as the most significant. First, the elimination of impermissible preauthorization requirements and payment of improperly denied claims. So that's a pretty big bucket right there. The second is the reimbursement of excessive cost sharing. In other words, you applied a copayment that shouldn't have been there. Uh, based on impermissible financial requirements. So these are these are actually actions that were addressing violations. So these are not the violations themselves, but it's what had to occur uh, in response to the violations. Yeah, right. Thanks for that clarification. Yep. 
So uh, the third was obtaining access to that applied behavior analysis or ABA therapy for participants whose claims were denied due to a plan exclusion. Uh, the fourth was the correction of improper reimbursements for out-of-network ABA therapy claims. So we're seeing exactly what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast here. The elimination of an exclusion for residential treatment for mental health and substance use disorders when there was no comparable exclusion for medical or surgical care in the, in the relevant classifications. And then lastly, updating provider network participation standards to correct distance and time criteria used to determine the availability of inpatient facilities, which were not comparable for medical, surgical, and mental health and substance use disorders. The fact sheet also notes that investigators work with the plan service providers, again, the TPAs, to obtain broad corrections. So not just for the plans investigated, but for other plans that work with that service provider. So this enforcement fact sheet is really reinforcing exactly what we've seen in the field here that we started the the, at the beginning of the podcast, that idea that the DOL will go through TPAs to enforce things. And that's really important for employers to have awareness on. There is so much to consider that we've talked about today. And, and there's going to be obviously a lot more for, for us to address in the, the coming weeks and months. So um, to summarize, any closing thoughts, Chase? Yeah, there's a lot going on in the mental health space. Today, we just talked a little bit about enforcement and that narrow part about ABA therapy. Uh, but it's it's uh, and we didn't get to states. States are out there enacting coverage requirements, which would obviously have a bigger impact on fully insured plans. But just that idea of how much we're talking about mental health now versus 10 years ago, even five years ago, it's vastly different. And it's something employers need to pay to pay attention to and engage on these new proposed regulations and the technical memorandum and the report to Congress, those are out there. We're gonna cover those in the next podcast, but the proposed regulations have a 60 day comment period and then the DOL will revisit and probably finalize in some form or fashion thereafter. So we'll continue to monitor that and we will have a solid write up in today's compliance corner. So again, go to nfp.com, click on insights, uh, and then we'll address those on the next podcast and, and we'll have a special edition that really just focuses on the rules and what we can glean from that guidance that will help, particularly when it comes to the CAA mental health parity analysis requirement. So um, we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll dig into the report to Congress and, and what we might be able to take from that that can help clarify or help employers when it comes to that analysis requirement. Right. So again, we're always glad to get some clarity from uh, the government and, and not having these vague uh, requirements out there. But uh, but that's as we like to say on this podcast. That's, that's a wrap. wrap. Thanks for joining us today. 